The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 260th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, with whom we will delve deeply into college football and what a weekend it was in college football, which leads right into my highlight of the week, which is basking in the afterglow of the best football weekend of the year. Uh, For me, it ended with attending last night's thrilling Patriots-Seahawks epic. It, of course, was my pick last week for appointment viewing, and it certainly delivered all that and more. Like the Super Bowl game in Phoenix a couple of years ago, the game ended again with the goal line stand on the one-yard line. I mean, you really can't make this stuff up. And it was just a spectacular crowd last night at Gillette Stadium. It was the highest of high drama as both teams went back and forth. The expected hard-hitting game was there. Doug Baldwin, receiver for the Seahawks, was outstanding. And Russell Wilson, who I got to see for the first time ever in person, was simply outstanding. Uh, He moves like no quarterback that I can recall. Uh, Watching his spin moves and whatnot in the backfield to get away from the rush. Uh, It's one thing to see it on TV. Last night, it was certainly another thing to see it in person. Uh, So he is, number one, over his injuries, based on what I saw last night. And, uh, you know, the Seahawks came to play. I mean, they had it really stacked against them. Uh, They had played on Monday night. Tough game against the Bills. They had uh, to fly cross-country, the time zones. Uh, But, boy, they showed up in a big way, and uh, all credit due to them. Uh, Patriots, you know, not their best game. Uh, And that's not taking anything away from the Seahawks. But Tom Brady threw an interception and had no touchdown 
passes, which is the first time since 2007 that that has occurred. Kind of interesting fact, since 2007 was the year that he uh, set the NFL record for touchdown passes. But anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, So it all came down to that final series. Uh, Patriots had four shots from about the two-yard line. Gillette Stadium was just rocking. Uh, you know, this is this is why I have the tickets for moments and games like this. Uh, Patriots have been so dominant for so long. Truth of the matter is, you don't often get uh, an ending in Gillette Stadium like we had last night. And the play calling was, uh, in my mind, fine. I know there's some... Uh, Criticism floating around out there, but, you know, the ball was in the hands of the top three players on offense, in my mind. Brady, with uh, a couple of quarterback sneak attempts. He may be the best quarterback sneaker in the history of the game. And uh, LeGarrette Blunt, their power runner, he got his shot. And then on the final play, of course, it was a pass to Gronk. And I don't think anybody... Uh, Rooting for the Patriots can ever object to a pass to Gronk, period. I just don't. Um, he is uh, <laughs> unique, to put it mildly, and so I had no problem with it at all. Uh, again, all credit, in my mind, has to go to the Seattle defense. Patriots gave it their best shot, and, uh, and you know, Seattle stopped them. And bread and butter is, of course the uh, trademark of that team and they really wanted it. It was so obvious. Uh, Needless to say, they haven't forgotten the uh, Super Bowl from two years ago. No one ever will. And they came looking for revenge and uh, they got it on the Patriots home field on, you know, the biggest stage uh, that there is out there in the regular season, which of course is Sunday night football. Uh, Also have to give a shout out to Seattle fans. I was Blown away by how many Seahawks fans were there. And they're uh, easily seen with the bright green colors, fluorescent, what have you. And they were loud and proud before, during, and after the game. And I couldn't help but think back to being in Detroit when the uh, Seahawks played the Steelers in that Super Bowl in 2005. And uh, Steeler Nation dominated Detroit that weekend. Uh, big time. Granted, it was driving distance, believe it or not, from Pittsburgh up to Detroit. But there were not a lot of Seattle fans there. But boy, they were there last night. And uh, it was amazing to see. Very impressive. But that wasn't the only great game. Uh, it was immediately preceded by the Cowboys' amazing win over the Steelers. Uh, again, Back and forth, uh, Steelers pulled out the old fakeroo, the fake spike play, uh, made famous by Dan Marino a couple of decades ago, and Ben Roethlisberger pulled it off perfectly to hit Antonio Brown with the would-be winning touchdown, but uh, they left too much time on the clock, and here came the Cowboys. Steelers had a face mask penalty that wasn't called. On the next play, they had another face mask penalty that was called. It set Dallas up. Next thing you know, Ezekiel Elliott 
burst up the middle. And as he said, it was like the Red Sea parting. And he was in the end zone in about two seconds, 32-yard run to win the game. And uh, and here the Cowboys are, with, you know, combined with the Patriots' loss. The Cowboys have the best record in the NFL at 8-1. And, one. and uh, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott are very, very special. Both rookies, obviously, quarterback and running back. Don't see that every day coming into the league. And, uh, you know, they're just outstanding. Cowboys deserved it. Um, but Steelers played them tough. Uh, but, yeah, and Ezekiel Elliott, he is just, uh, he is something to see. Um, where he basically uh, is the unique blend of power, speed, Good blocker, in other words, the total real deal, and uh, yeah. So, uh, I think America became believers once and for all in the Cowboys yesterday. You go into Pittsburgh and you win that game, and you're going to get some believers. Also, uh, just a great, great NFL day following a, a historic college football day on Saturday, hence, the, again, the best weekend of the year for football. Uh, the Broncos-Saints ending with the blocked extra point attempt. Uh, the run back for two points to win the game. Did he or did he not go out of bounds? Uh, just an amazing, amazing ending to that game. The Dolphins-Chargers uh, just had a shootout. Uh, to say the least, and the Dolphins really uh, rose to the occasion, picking off Philip Rivers. It was uh, incredible to see, no doubt about it. Um, the Titans literally blowing away and running up the score, so to speak, against the Packers. And uh, what is wrong with the Packers? That's one of the big storylines of the NFL season, without a doubt. And uh, and the Chiefs. Uh, coming back to beat the Panthers after being down early. Uh, the Chiefs are really uh, sneaky good. And the Panthers' demise is, uh, again, along with the Packers, among the top storylines of the year. Just what is exactly is happening there. Now it feels after yesterday as if, in addition to everything else that's gone wrong, now they have bad luck. Um so that leads into my bizarre story of the week, which is simply before we got to Sunday, which I just discussed in the NFL, we saw something on Saturday that we had not seen since 1985, which is the ranked two, three, and four teams losing, uh, as well as the eighth and ninth ranked teams losing. And uh, I think it'll be forever memorable for those uh those kicks by Pitt, uh, the kicker named Blewett. Uh, you've been hearing it all weekend. He did not blow it, <laughs> and uh, that was amazing. And, of course, the Iowa kick, uh, the walk-on freshman kicker uh, ends up kicking the field goal to beat Michigan and really send... Uh, college football into complete and utter chaos. Um, so 
again, quite a weekend and just looping back to the, uh, you know, to the Sunday night football game. One of the highlights for me personally was uh, came across the Sunday night football bus parked at a local high school, a couple hours ahead of one of the big high school rivalries, uh, just a few miles from my house. Zavarian High School versus Boston College High School. Uh, Zavarian is one of the all-time powers in Massachusetts. And uh, so it was parked in the parking lot a couple hours uh, ahead of the Friday 5 p.m. Eastern time game between BC High and Zavarian. So people were touring it. So uh, they were very nice. Uh, Dante Hunter... Uh, one of his staffers, Alicia, gave me a nice tour of the bus, which is a high-tech wonder, to put it mildly. It was really awesome to see and walk through and check it out. Really, really well done. Uh, we've all seen it from the outside. Don't know how many have seen the inside, but it was really worth it. So they nicely invited me back on Sunday. They were parked right at the... Uh, near an entrance at Gillette Stadium and uh, right, right beside the Patriots Hall, Football Hall of Fame. And long lines were waiting, and they had lots of activities, cornhole and whatnot. Big crowd just into it. And uh, so it was really, really fun. Uh, went on another tour, uh, talked to the crew, and again, long line, and they were just giving tours for hours leading up to kickoff. And uh, so just really, really terrific. They went out to the boys and girls, local boys and girls club here in Boston on Saturday, I believe. And uh, so it was just really fun and elevated the whole weekend. Uh, so it was an event, having Sunday night football here in New England, to say the least. And lastly, my low light of the week was the USA soccer team losing on home soil to Mexico. We'll see what, if anything, that means for the U.S. in the World Cup. It was a World Cup qualifier. Still tough to get a handle a couple of years down the road on Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, they, they seem to, you know, just when you think that they really are on their way, uh, this kind of stuff happens. So it's just been a, a bit of a rocky road. Under Klinsman, I actually like him. I've been to a couple of his press conferences, uh, and he's uh, a likable guy. I know he has his critics, obviously, but uh, it was uh, just simply uh, a surprise that they would lose on home soil to Mexico. What a rivalry that is. But we shall see what it all means. And now, let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Boys America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. You can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how you doing today? I'm doing great, John. Glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. We appreciate you calling in, as always. And, uh, and what a weekend. We've talked about how happy... We have been to have moved the show from Friday to Monday a few weeks back, a couple of months ago, and I don't think we've ever been happier than today because college football hasn't seen a weekend like this in forever. Yeah, it's 31 years in the making, John. Uh, a little irony involved with Jim Harbaugh. He was the quarterback from Michigan 31 years ago playing against Iowa in the one team they lost, and here he was the coach this weekend, and the same thing happened. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I noticed that irony as well, and it was just, uh, you know, in- incredible to watch. I mean, I began my day by tuning in, uh, you know, around halftime to the Penn State-Indiana game, which turned out to be a tremendous game, and then it just rolled from there. Little did I know that it would just be... Uh, you know, one of the more unique days in the history of college football. Uh, but let's start with you. You, of course, were at the one team that seemingly the only team it felt like <laughs> was completely unaffected by the events of the day. That, of course, is number one Alabama who routed Mississippi State, who was coming off their huge upset of Texas A&M a week ago. So what was it like down in uh, Tuscaloosa? Yeah, John, it was a beautiful day. It was an early game, 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, believe it or not, Nick Saban, he had a little trepidation about this game. He was a little nervous. But his team was prepared offensively, defensively, special teams. They're, they're very competent. And I'm, I'm not sure there's a team in the country that can match them in all those three areas. Uh, Jalen Hurts continues to improve. He's seeming to find other receivers on all parts of the field. And they really let him loose. I think he threw in the neighborhood of 26 to 28 passes that first half. So there was a concentration to uh, throw the ball against Mississippi State. They rated 14th against the pass in the league. Yeah, and as good as he's been all year uh, as a freshman, uh, it seemed like he reached kind of a new level on Saturday and that perhaps this was his best game. What are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did, John. It was the first time in the history of Alabama football that he quarterback rushed for over 100 yards and three, passed for 300. So 
he set a milestone, a uh, true freshman right out of high school. It's very impressive. That is amazing. Um, well, so I have to ask you, were you... Where were you as all the other stuff was unfolding? Clemson losing to Pitt at about, you know, 7 p.m. Eastern in the evening. Uh, no sooner is that done than USC is off to a fast start against Washington. And then it culminated uh, late at night with, of course, uh, the walk-on freshman kicker uh, beating Michigan. Uh, how was your evening? Were you in Tuscaloosa? Was word of all this chaos uh, around where you were? Oh, yes. They paid strict attention to the other things around the country. I was actually in a restaurant in Tuscaloosa having dinner, and then I was uh, driving later in the evening, so I had some of those games on the radio. So, yeah, everyone's always cognizant of the West Coast teams, especially if they have a good record like Washington. Of course, Clemson has Devil Sweeney, former Alabama graduate. And there's always a close, close eye on the Big Ten team, Michigan. Well, speaking of the Big Ten teams, I have to quickly, as someone who grew up near Penn State and used to sell Cokes at Beaver Stadium, I have to pose this scenario, which uh, I quickly concluded within about one minute of the Iowa win. Uh, and it's simply this. So I, run a, I want to run it by you. I've heard a lot of chatter haven't really heard but one or two people touch on this, which is this. Penn State wins out against Rutgers and Michigan State. Ohio State, of course, beats Michigan in the horseshoe. Penn State goes to the Big Ten Championship game. Theoretically, they beat Wisconsin. So here the committee is with their final vote. And... They're faced with a situation, I think this could really happen, where for that final seed where Penn State, uh, they're faced between potentially Penn State and Ohio State. And you have Penn State at that point, a conference champion having beaten Ohio State head-to-head, of course, versus Ohio State, who is, you know, doesn't even play in a conference championship game. They had lost to Penn State, but, you know, they're, they're Ohio State. And where, where, what do you think the, the committee does if faced with that scenario for the last playoff spot? Because I think it's, there's a shot at this happening. Well, two of the strongly suggested guidelines is winning a conference championship and the head-to-head. So how could the chairperson come on television and look people in the eye across the country and say he chose to take Ohio State? He did not win the conference championship and lost head-to-head with Penn State. I don't see how they can do anything but take the Nittany Lions. That's the way it seems to me, and I know I'm looking at it through blue and white eyes, but, uh, you know, I mean, I'm seeing some stuff today, some polls, and there's a gazillion of them out there, and polls and opinions, where a lot of people have expect Ohio State to be ranked number two tomorrow night. Um and, you know, they lock in at number two, uh, you know, and they don't lose and they beat Michigan. Uh, you know, they're, they're not going to be dislodged. Now, obviously, this leads to an obvious question, which is the potential of two uh, Big Ten teams getting in the Final Four playoff. Uh, 
And let's not forget, let's say, you know, let's not forget Wisconsin. They get there, they lose to, or they they win the Big Ten championship game, but yet they lost to Ohio State in overtime in Madison. Uh, and, uh, you know, where does that leave everybody? Uh, again, you know, it seems that the committee loves conference champions. And, you know, it's just hard to believe that, what, a week from Saturday, Ohio State could theoretically beat Michigan, and there they are. They're, like, just done with the season while all this other activity is swirling about and teams are playing, you know what I mean? Out of sight, out of mind is kind of what I'm, what I'm, what I'm suggesting. Right, right. I think the likelihood, John, is that they might select two teams from the Big Ten. But that's a strong possibility, I believe, because there's some flaws with the Big 12 representatives. Uh, Pat Pro, uh, the ATC. So I, I think you, you, just, you could see two teams from the Big Ten. Yeah, I think so. Now let's not forget uh, both Penn State and Wisconsin uh, have two losses. So if either of them is the Big Ten champion, they're going to come in, in with two losses. So, you know, you know that, would re- that, that would break new ground, if I'm not mistaken, in the third year of the yeah. college football playoff, uh, the first two-loss team potentially to make the Final Four. Uh, but it's juicy stuff, AP. You know, I just sit here after the weekend and just think, uh, you know, I mean, this is, it's great, number one. I love it. You know, I just think it's just what it was all designed for and now we really now they're really going to have to like you know think it through look at every angle uh and really present a strong case for america it seems almost inevitable that it's going to come down to that yeah i think so john you have to narrow down your decision to a few key factors in the scenario you're presenting with penn state beating Ohio State and then the conference championship, I don't see how you need a team that goes to credentials out of the out of the possible playoff scenario. Right. And from the uh, you know, Penn State point of view, uh, you know what a lot of Penn Staters are saying, of course, with all the chaos, uh, they found themselves in the you talk about people being in weird positions, uh, you know, and that's simply that uh, Penn State is now loving the Pitt victory over Clemson because Pitt, of course, beat Penn State at the beginning of the year. So that makes that a better loss than it was. (laughs) And then, you know, I I can't even keep it all straight, but, you know, there was a bunch of scenarios being painted about Ohio State and Michigan, like, rooting for each other, so to speak, to enhance their, their chances as, as it all unfolds here at the end of the season. And that has never happened before. Like I said, Penn State pits one thing. You know, <laughs> Penn State happy with a pit victory. Uh, but when you're talking Ohio State-Michigan kind of somehow, some way rooting for each other, uh, now we're really talking something strange here. Yeah, that's the Hatfield's root from the coolest, right? <laughs> perfectly said ap and on that note i think we should uh, go to our break and uh when we come back from the break we'll take some of the uh games and just talk about exactly what went on in all these crazy games and oh by the way it wasn't just two three and four lost it was uh uh 
you know, eight and nine loss as well. Auburn and uh, Texas A&M. So, you know, just to complete the discussion we were just having, Penn State should be number eight. They were number 10, so they should be no lower than eight tomorrow night. Uh, and Wisconsin will be above them. You know, I want to talk a little Louisville, and I want to talk uh, with them facing Houston on Thursday night. Uh, you know, you heard it here first. That's a dangerous game. I think Houston could save their somewhat disappointing season by taking down Louisville at home in Houston. Uh, But AP, we'll talk about that after this break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., I ended the previous segment alluding to Houston Hosting Louisville this Thursday night. Louisville doesn't seem to be getting a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of love in this whole sort of chaotic aftermath as to where they might end up. And again, I think that uh, Houston is primed for an upset. As we both know, they're in the American Athletic Conference, which you and I covered. Tom Herman, great coach. Uh, and they beat Oklahoma to start the season, and everybody's instantly putting them in the Final Four as a non-Power Five conference representative. Then, uh, you know, it went south when they got beat by Navy, and it's just been, you know, an uneven, t- disappointing season, given where they were after beating Oklahoma. But boy, AP, this is down in Houston, and I just feel like they could 
you know, save their season. Let's not forget it was down in Houston where they beat Oklahoma rather handily to start the season, and I can see a repeat this Thursday night. Yeah, uh, Tom Herman, it's a, it's a big stage for him if he wants to be a part of uh, the Power Five conferences as a head coach. And as you said, it could be redemption for the Cougars playing on national TV against one of the better teams in the country with probably the favorite for the Heisman Trophy, Lamar Jackson. So I think the the people in Houston, they'll be fired up. They'll have quite a crowd. They'll be excitable. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that Louisville, they better come to play that evening because Houston can make their season, uh, you know, things went south for them a little bit. So, yeah, that, that's a tough, tough environment for uh, Louisville. Exactly. It's at 8 p.m. on uh, Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And again, the minute I saw that, uh, I just immediately thought, you know, if it's going to be that kind of a season, if, if Saturday ushered in complete chaos, uh, I could see this adding to the chaos. And again, you and I know Houston. We have covered the American Athletic Conference and Tom Herman. I think we both understand what Houston is capable of. They have a great quarterback in Greg Ward. Uh, He's not Lamar Jackson, but he's pretty darn good, and they actually play a similar type of game. And he is just the kind of guy that could uh, run wild and lead them to victory. So it is going to be so much fun, and it's going to be unique because, you know, they're going to have the stage to themselves as far as college football goes. Uh, Thursday night, the all college football fans, I think, will be tuned into that. And I've been hearing about Louisville in that I guess they cannot win or get to the conference championship game in the ACC. They're sort of like the potentially Ohio State. They can't get there. And I assume that's because of their loss to Clemson earlier in the year, correct? Yeah, that, that's what I would uh, tend to believe. And uh, in, in the thing about Houston, John, they have no fear playing a team like since they, they beat Florida State in the bowl and then uh, defeated Oklahoma to start the season. So those are dangerous teams. They sure are. They sure are. Well, now let's talk a little bit about some of the specific games. I mean, we're, we're talking a little Clemson, so we'll start with them. They've been flirting with, you know, disaster all year long from their literally their opening game, it seems. They should, could have, and probably should have lost to North Carolina State. They had a chip shot field goal with basically no time on the clock. The ball goes through the uprights, the game's over. There was no chance for Clemson to then come back and win. Uh, no different than Saturday when the ball did grow, go through the uprights by the pit kicker, blew it. What a name. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a headline writer's dream. <laughs> and I've been seeing a lot of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> When he walked on the field and I looked at his last name, I had to smile at that one. But uh, good for him. He did it. And uh, and James Conner, boy, he, I mean, who doesn't love his story coming back from Hodgkin's lymphoma? And the stiff arm he laid on that guy for the winning score, not the winning score, but the <laughs> tying touchdown, that was incredible. Uh, what a He's a, just a great runner, and he's even greater when you consider where he was a year ago. Uh, and then Clemson, I mean, so much to chew on about, you know, they had third down and fourth down, one yard to go, 
out around the 50 or so, or actually inside the 50, because they're, you know, when they come up to that fourth down decision, everything was on the table, going for it, kicking a long field goal, punting, it was all on the table, and Dabo Sweeney, I wasn't surprised, he went for it, that's real time, that's what I was thinking he would do, and that's exactly what he did, and again, they, you know, like the Patriots last night, they couldn't pick up a yard, and they had two downs to do it. Yeah, you're an offensive team, John. You have to make that if you want to right. maintain the undefeated season. One thing about Clemson, John, they attempted so many passes. They Their running yeah. game is not very good. I mean, that just proves that you, you have to have some balance because at times in the season and in the game, you have to be able to make that yard or two for a first down to seal the victory, to get the next first down or you near the goal line. And uh, so in the... Clemson is turnover prone as well. I think Deshaun had Watson had maybe three interceptions that, that evening. So three interceptions, five hundred and seven. Go ahead. No, yeah, yeah, you're right, John. Sets set a record, right? Uh, five hundred and seventy yards. yards. And, and they don't win the game on senior night. And he throws three picks. That has to be one of the weirder stat lines of all time when you think about it. I mean, he set a record with the 570-yard performance passing through 50 passes, as you said. And yet, I'm sure, I'm assuming there are some blaming him for the loss, perhaps rightfully so, because he threw three picks. He, of course, is right there for the Heisman. Uh, a great player. Um, but what a weird game, huh? Yeah, I mean, John, sometimes... You know, I'm trying to decipher which teams are, are the top echelon. I want somebody to play a little bit of defense. Correct. A little bit. Exactly. You can't rely on a great player to win every single game. There's, as you say, he had that flawed uh, performance on Saturday evening. 70 passes. That's a lot of passes. Well, exactly. You're right. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, 70 passes. I, I, I missed that one. Uh, miss mentioning that one. Well, let's move on to the other game, like, you know, Ohio, Iowa. To me, the, the second, you know, maybe the biggest upset of the night, but to me, it was clear that, you know, the Pitt win and the Iowa win were the two biggest, more so than USC beating Washington. But in that, Iowa gets pummeled by Penn State in State College last weekend, and then they get a blackout in Iowa for <laughs> Michigan, who, uh, again, there's so many amazing sidelight stories to all of these games and the one of this was that this was only the second time if i'm not mistaken that michigan has left the state of michigan to play a football game this year that's bizarre and you know <laughs> it's just back and forth and then uh you know here comes this you know walk-on freshman kicker from charlotte north carolina and you know with all the kicking woes we've seen both in the NFL and the uh, in college football this year, that kid walks out and just like, you know, no problem whatsoever. I heard him interviewed right after the game. Very impressive, like just very likable kid. He looks like he's 14. And, you know, he said all the right things and basically said like, no problem. <laughs> yeah, I just did what I do. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, there's nothing uh, that's uh, a breath of fresh air like a young player 
not even understanding the, the circumstances and the, the scenario, the, the importance of, this, of, the, of the moment. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, uh, just, you know, watching Jim Harbaugh, and I think we both like Jim Harbaugh, I certainly agree that he is fun to have in the world of college football and seeing him with his, you know, new spectacles on the sideline. Uh, you know, there was some questionable calls at the end of that game. Uh, you know, it, it was priceless video. It really was. Just really watching Jim Harbaugh in the fourth quarter of that game was really, again, just uh, compelling stuff, to put it mildly. Yeah, he must have been having some deja vu with that loss against Iowa. I know it's, he takes those losses to heart, and his team was in the catbird seat, but they still have a chance to realize their dreams and you know, with the one loss, but oh, yeah. it just makes it a little more difficult. That's all. Now, now everything from here on out, they must they must win. Exactly, and I think a lot of people, myself included, I would, uh, I'll say, uh, you know, are kind of assuming Ohio State is going to beat Michigan. Maybe more so than should be assumed. Michigan is still, you know, <laughs> quite a team, but the game is at the horseshoe in Columbus. And Ohio State has looked pretty powerful at points, including since they got beat by Penn State. And, uh, you know, nobody's, there's a lot of talk, but there's not a lot of talk about Michigan, what happens if Michigan beats Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. You're not hearing that a lot. No, no, most of the people are presuming that Ohio State playing at home and they've already stubbed their toe. They're pre-focused, and they can't wait to entertain Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan team. Correct. And you said the perfect word, which is stubbing your toe. And I'm a believer that, uh, you know, when you've stubbed your toe, the way Ohio State did, and look what they've done in the game since then. Although they did, I shouldn't, you know, they did have a tough game at home against Northwestern, though, if I'm not mistaken, after Penn State. Yes. But Michigan's going to come to play that day. Put it that way. It's it's one of the nation's oh, oh, best yeah. rivalries. So yeah, sure. you know, you know. Yeah. I would think that game be close, John. I would think. Me, me too. Oh, absolutely. I think it's going to be close. But again, there's a leaning uh, that you know all the scenarios being put forth, including by myself today, are you know based on Ohio State beating Michigan. That the, the, the that sets up the doomsday chaotic scenario, um, but you know Michigan may have uh, Michigan is going to have something to say about all this, and you know they're still right there. They'll probably be you know uh, for their own playoff spot. So again, it, it feels like this week, this weekend, this type of discussion we're having and everybody else is having, it's almost like the reason it feels like that the CFP got invented. Like this is it. After two and a half years, this is why it has come to be, and uh, and I think it's just awesome. It really is. And tomorrow night, uh, I think we'll probably be the highest rated ever, you know, CFP show that wasn't the final one. If you know what I'm saying, John, I think people are anticipating the answer by the chairperson more than they are the ranking itself. Right. There you go. Yeah. 
how did you come to whatever conclusion you came to? And uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's going to be special stuff. I can't wait. And you know, I think it's huge because just to use my example, if see if Ohio State is indeed ranked number two, as some believe will happen tomorrow night, teams. The, the rankings tomorrow night could put teams in a position where they cannot be dislodged, if you know what I'm saying. Like Ohio yeah. State. So. Well, well, John, I would, I would tend to agree with you, but with a caveat that the committee, they have all these guidelines, but in the end, they can come to their own conclusion through other criteria, and they'll make it work by, through their explanation through the chair. Correct. Correct. Well, we shall see. Again, the scenario that's interesting, like, you know, you just can't help look at Ohio State, and if they're number two, and they basically don't play, or, you know, they beat Michigan, they hold on to number two or whatever, and then they're simply sitting there, they're not playing, meaning they're not losing, but they're not winning either, as other teams are playing and winning. So, is that going to allow the committee to penalize, for lack of a better word, Ohio State, if you know what I'm saying. That, to me, is like the key yeah. to the whole thing. Yes. Uh, the only thing I would say, John, I, I harken back to a few years ago when they had the Big 12 team was at number three, and they beat right. the team by 50 points, and the next thing you know, they're not in the playoffs. The Baylor, TCU, that, that, that one? Right, that scenario. Yeah. Right, that scenario. Not only did they not take one of the Big 12 team, they didn't take either. That's and right. They have a loss based on in, within the conference in, in a power five, you know, against a power five team, one was on the road and one was to each other. Correct. That's right. Yes. So they, they were penalized for inactivity, for actually not playing games, right? Basically, no conference well, championship well, game. Well, yeah, they, they didn't have the championship game, and, and one of the teams, I think it was a team at number three, won by 50 points. I think it was right. Baylor, actually. So what, yeah, you're what right. else could they do than beat a team by 50 points and you were number three going into that championship weekend? So they penalized them. And I don't. I still don't understand this, John. I still do not understand the Big 12 as the purest champion where you're playing every team in the league. Um, where the other teams, like let's say the SEC, ACC, you're only playing eight or nine teams in the conference out of a, uh, 14 uh, institutions. Right. I know. It's crazy. It really is. Uh, well... Uh, it's going to get a lot crazier. We still have more to cover. Uh, but why don't we do that on the other side of this last break? Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. 
We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And as I alluded, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is indeed the Louisville-Houston game this Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time in Houston. Uh, could create more chaos in college football, and uh, but we shall see. Why wait? Let's get right to it for the pick of the week for Thursday night. And uh, so, AP, there were some other, you know, fascinating games as well. The, the you know, the USC Michigan game, or excuse me, USC Washington game. That was a downright blowout compared to the other upsets of two and three ranked teams. Uh, you know, USC, we're all hearing it. They're, they're a different team with that new quarterback now and uh, and that they look great. Uh, you, of course, saw them in person to open the season when Alabama uh, lit into them, to put it mildly. Yeah, yeah, John, that quarterback they inserted, Sam Darnold, has been fantastic. I knew that he was a little bit more fluid in the backfield, could escape and move to his left and right and pretty good arms. So they're, they're revived, rejuvenated. They're, as my, my friend Sam Cunningham told me, they're, they're no longer puppies. They're moving towards the dog category right now. They're pretty good. Right, right. They really are. And uh, so, yeah, we'll see where they end up. Well, what, what can you say? You know, Washington left out of the first Final Four with an undefeated record, feeling very disrespected. Uh, but then, you know. Uh, and lo and behold, it looks like you know the committee's view of their lack of strength of schedule may have been you know well founded. Uh, and there you go. I mean, it feels like Washington and uh, the Pac-10 in general could be on the outside looking into the whole thing, which would be kind of weird as well. Um, so that that'll be interesting, you know. But you know, maybe it's a lot of people just seem to be dismissing Washington. It may be too early to do that. We shall see. Uh, but they got a couple big games left. Washington State, who's ranked, then of course the Pac-10 championship. So Washington may yet be heard from. But that was a pretty disappointing loss. I watched a, a good portion of that too, and it never felt like they were going to win uh, late in the game at all. No, John. It, it... It didn't, I didn't see much of that football game, but the spotlight was on the Huskies at home, national TV. I'm sure a lot of the committee members, they probably watched it live. Oh, yeah. When, when you, you know, when you're playing USC and they've been a pretty strong team these last, this last month and you feel you have a double digit loss at home and the game is not really in question. That loss is magnified, I think, in the eyes of the committee, and I'm not sure if they can make up 
with the rest of their schedule, uh, you know, that good, good feeling that people had about them you know, prior to that loss. Well said, AP. I agree. A lot of people called this one. Uh, they, they nailed it. They said USC was a different team, and they uh, thought they, were, they would beat Washington, and they were 100% right. The game played out as many experts thought it might. And uh, But there were other big upsets as well. You know, I tuned into the end of the Mississippi-Texas uh, A&M game. Texas A&M had a big lead at home. Heading into the fourth quarter, and lo and behold, the backup quarterback to Chad Kelly, uh, Shea Patterson, has a big fourth quarter, and they win on a last-second kick uh, as well. And, you know, Texas A&M ranked, I believe, eighth or ninth. They lose, and then, of course, Auburn, which uh, was eighth or ninth, they they lose uh, to Georgia, and they didn't look good doing it either. So, uh, crazy. So, again, five top ten teams lost on Saturday, including eight and nine. John, that was a very uh, difficult loss for Texas A&M, playing yes. Ole Miss, the team that has been surrendering big yards on the ground. They couldn't run against the Rebels, which is I don't understand that really, and it was you know, battle of the backups. Both teams had the backups, and A&M's playing at home. You're supposed to win that football game, and so now A&M they're once again that November slide, which has been common under Kevin Sumlin. They're going to have to figure out if he's the right person uh, to continue with the program. Right? Yeah. I mean. And the key to me is, you know, they, they had a, a solid fourth quarter lead at home against a team with a backup quarterback. You just, and you know, they're top 10 in the nation. You assume they're going to win that game. Um, but didn't happen, as we saw. And, uh, and then the other one, to, to round out the show, and we're down to about a minute here, uh, Georgia beating Auburn, to me, that just fits in the category of, you know, all the teams in the SEC are quality teams. So I don't even know how much. Obviously, it's an upset, but I don't know that it's some huge upset. I mean, I see that score, and it's a surprise. But, you know, Georgia's quality. Auburn's been on a nice run. But, you know, Georgia showed up and pulled it pulled it off. John, I don't think Auburn had a first down in the second half. 30, 32 total yards, I believe, is that final number. So that is un, it's hard to fathom a team yep. that sets an SEC single season, single game record of 532 yards uh, against Arkansas and they won 56 to 3. Then, then you can't run the ball uh, for anything against Georgia and you can't score a touchdown. Yeah, it was an ugly loss. That's uh, period. There is no other way to view it. Well, AP. Uh, I look forward to many more weeks of this type of discussion where it's just topsy-turvy and it just stimulates the entire college football world. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch in the ensuing weeks. And thank you, as always, for your perspective and for calling in. John, I think people are probably going to get a crystal ball for Christmas because this one's going to be worn out. Hey, (laughs) perfectly said. And on that note, as always... Thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time.
Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week. 